won't be sorry you came well, with me. Ladies and gentlemen, even if it did take six phone calls. Seven. In the sudden tides, fighting for our rights, and the old red, white, and blue. Two years intensive search, nothing. Got goose. We finally settled the claim in full. Four million dollars. Hello. That was bad. I'm kind of awkward with women. Back home, I'm known as the strikeout king. Don't worry. In this ballpark, I wouldn't be surprised if you hit a home run. <laughs> Settle for a single. Oh, yeah. Smiles. Smiles, everyone. Ah, it's going to be a beautiful day. Hello, we'd like to welcome you to the Fantasy Murder Love Triangle podcast. I'm Josh Fillmore, and when we started this podcast, I would have thought it impossible to have in the same show a dying boy who has been tricked into believing his grandma is the sick one, Ed Bagley Jr. finding love with a mermaid, and Captain Stubing having his buttocks cupped by a masseuse. It's a holiday miracle. <laughs> Josh, that's the Forbidden Love episode. It's so wonderful because also the dying grandchild is is in love with his grandmother. So, um, Oh, we're yeah. going to dig deep into that. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. I'm Roy, and I, I wasn't going to actually do this podcast today, but I gave my word, and you know what? Roy doesn't welch. <laughs> and i am spencer and much like undercover columbo i too tuck my tie into my pants <laughs> <laughs> into your mauve colored slacks <laughs> well welcome you guys it's good to be back with you it's been a minute uh, holidays and whatnot but uh, it's good to be back in the saddle and today we have the distinct pleasure of talking about an actor that the three of us actually knew. His name is Ed <laughs> Bagley Jr. He is delightful in all of these movies. For me, it was essentially the same character in all three movies, in all three shows. But it was it was great to reacquaint myself with uh, Mr. Ed Bagley. So I think, uh, Spencer, you want to tell us a little bit about him, please? I would love to tell you about Ed Bagley Jr., not to be mistaken for Ed Bagley Sr. <laughs> One, Ed Bagley, he won Hollywood's quickest sunburn three years in a row until Ron Howard beat him out. <laughs> <laughs> he was born September 16th, 1949 in Los Angeles. His father, Ed Sr., won an Oscar, and Ed never lived up to daddy's expectations, guys. Whoa, that came through pretty vividly it did his, uh, you saw in yeah. every acting you know thing he ever did especially in the wonder woman episode i just wanted to he just wanted to make daddy proud yeah. i've never even heard of ed bagley senior he won an academy award oh you know he did who's ed bagley senior an academy award winner they are okay gr you're embarrassing yourself you're, right now. Yeah, you're humiliating the podcast right now okay <laughs> It was for like some movie called like The Girls Left on the Shore or something like that. Don't fact check that. Don't fact check that. I know who Ed Bagley is. He, he was in 12 Angry Men. Yes, he was. Mm. Wow. Okay. I don't know if Ed, but also the junior is somewhat of a misleading misnomer there because Ed Bagley Jr. is a six foot four pale ginger giant. <laughs> <laughs> He believed that his dad's wife was his mother, 
Sadly, she was not, and he didn't find that out until he was 16. Wow. He again hints in the love boat. Yeah, there really was. There's so many wonderful things about Egg Bagley Jr. Uh, Bagley Jr. nearly died in 1972 after being stabbed 22 times. By his father. No, that would have been a twist. It. it was a gang of street youths. Whoa, uh, 22 times. <laughs> yep. Wow. How many toughs were there? 25. <laughs> so to be fair, it wasn't even one stab per person. So yeah. some would say he got off easy. <laughs> but he survived. His home is only 1,585 square feet. Right now? Yep. Okay. He's the oh. king of conservation. He really mm. is. He doesn't he says I'm not an environmentalist. I'm just an environmental opportunist. So he composts everything. He reuses everything. He solars everything, gathers up the rainwater. He's actually pretty impressive, all the effort he goes through to remain uh, environmentally conscious. Two point, he rode the bus to the Oscars, sat in the window seat, and yes, got a sunburn along the way. <laughs> Like, I was going to give a filmography and, like, a showography of this guy, but Ed Bagley Jr., like, even IMDb said he's just been in hundreds and hundreds of things. It's ridiculous how many things. Like, he yeah. nonstop worked for, like, 70 years. Some <laughs> of his highlights, according to me, are Arrested Development, Best in yeah. Show, Living with Ed, St. Elsewhere, This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> Saint Elsewhere was one of your personal favorites. Oh man, have you? Did you see him act, Josh? <laughs> I did not. No. Oh, he must well, have been stunning. <laughs> it was beautiful. Just awards. Ed Bagley. Sadly, he was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. He was nominated around ten times for some major awards, never won until one special day, guys. <gasps> Ed Bagley Jr. finally took home, and this isn't a joke or a misspeak, he finally took home a streamy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What did he win his streamy for? For ensemble cast in the show Easy to Assemble. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that is Ed Bagley Jr. Well, hold on. Also, uh, Florida Film Critics Circle Award. Best ensemble cast a mighty wind. So, oh, there we go. He yeah. won a local community award. That's awesome, Ed. Easy to assemble. Well, and his real prize was uh, being on The Simpsons, right? True. But can you imagine poor Ed Bagley being stabbed multiple times? Jeez. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. That's, that's kind of a. I would not have uh, guessed that biography. That he would have been living the 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 street life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it's possible that what saved him is he's seven feet tall and it's just you know it spaced all the stab wounds out or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of square footage there, or they just couldn't reach above his legs. <laughs> <laughs> he's so affable. Doesn't it seem like he would be fun to just hang out with a little bit? Well, he's yes. very pleasant. He's a chump, but yeah, he's, he's a little bit of jar. A chump. That's just a character. That's not oh, really him. okay. Okay, thank you, Joshua. But can we You're just welcome. say, Jr. It's okay that you were fu- that you were fooled. It just shows yeah. how great he portrays the character. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is a great point. That's how we want to streamy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ed Bagley Jr. His, uh, yeah, like you were saying, Spencer. His IMDb is just 
mind boggling. Like it's like 400 or something credits. It's crazy. Oh, and it's every genre you could possibly imagine. 221 yeah. just for television. That's pretty amazing. To be environmentally conscious, I think he was just living on set, and so they just plugged him in wherever he slept. <laughs> well, like, Ed, get in there. Okay. 119 films, so it's a lot. Well, did we mention Better Call Saul? Because he is he's so so great in that one. Yeah. Josh, his first movie was The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's the one where his father disowned him and then stabbed him. Yeah. <laughs> it was Ed Bagley's suit senior that hired the street youths. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, he was great in all of the uh, the episodes we watched today. And so just to recap, we watched, uh, instead of Fantasy Island, we watched season three, episode four of Wonder Woman, uh, entitled The Fine Art of Crime where he played Harold Farnham, a, a budding student at the university. The senator's son. Yeah. And then, yeah, for some reason, like, I, I don't understand how he feels like he has a shot with with uh, Diana Prince. Anyway. He's the senator's son. He is the senator's son. He is yeah. the senator's son. So, okay. So, and then we also watched uh, Columbo. Uh, the episode was undercover and, like, on IMDb, this was listed as a TV movie, and yes. it was long enough, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> was it any shorter than a normal Columbo episode, though? I feel like they're all basically movies. No, I love, one of the things I love about Columbo is that they built up the clout to tell the network how long they would run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's going to go anywhere from 50 minutes to two and a half hours. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> So, by the way, I, I, I'm excited to talk about this, but I'm curious for your thoughts on the second wave of Columbo, the, the oh. like, more modern Columbo. Old Columbo? Old Columbo. And then we watched a truly mind-boggling episode of The Love Boat, season three, <laughs> episode 23. And that's saying something, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it was called Side by Side, A Fish Out of Water, and Rub Me Tender. <laughs> And it lived up to all of it. Yeah. Oh, it did. And this is Captain Steubing's most vulnerable role. And oh, I cannot wait to get into that. Um, but he plays the role of Alan Bundy. <laughs> Can so, I also add that some of us watch Charlie's Angels? How did you find the episode? How did you? How Real did you find creepy it? Russian side, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, okay. like, I think we discussed that and I put it in my notes. And then when I came back to it, I'm like, oh, Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yeah i think that was the original plan was charlie's angels and then we audibled but i'm glad you watched it did he did he basically play the same character yeah he did he was great okay <laughs> don't worry ed was a pro he's always a professional all right well listen let's dive in i'm going to talk about wonder woman first and then jr can talk about colombo and we're going to finish with the love boat the fine art of crime harold farnham invites Diana Prince to the opening of the art gallery of famous art collector Henry Roberts, where all of the works of art are lifelike human statues of everyday people, like a butcher and a farmer. (laughs) Imagine finally seeing how they live, but not moving. I know. It must have been fascinating. If a butcher was caught frozen in time. 
<laughs> so when anyway, when Diana leaves, she finds a mysterious photograph in her car of a glass bowl that has been stolen from another art collection. And it is a mystery because there was no sign of entry into the studio. So at the same time, Harold is writing a paper for school on Henry Roberts, and he is so curious about how he makes the statue so lifelike. So he sneaks into the studio one night, and he's about to carve off a piece of one of the statues when the statues come to life. And <laughs> beat the crap out of him, and uh, then Mr. <laughs> Roberts turns him into a into a statue. Um, yes, this is the actual plot line. He's so curious that that's his actual, that's his PhD dissertation. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so, so that means people are going to come to the next exhibit, and one of the exhibits is Senator's Son, a slice of life, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, those like unfrozen people are just amazing at like diving at you, but going frozen mid-dive again until they get something. <laughs> well, who's the guy who like hides because he freezes himself and then he's like he puts himself in the pool and he's just underneath the water in the pool? I thought he was hiding because he's bashful. He's bashful. <laughs> Well, for almost for most Jared of the episode, was a vermin. that's the link <laughs> between episodes. For most of the episode, I thought that these people were just holding really still, and people couldn't wrap their heads around like, <laughs> well, they're not human because he said so. But but I guess there's like a sonic device that freezes them and unfreezes them. Yeah, see, I thought that they were going to, like, they're trying to save money and saying, "Well, he's just doing a wax museum." Yeah, but no, oh no. Also, so I, I, I'm pretty sure we watched the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman with Mom, like 40 years ago. But I don't, I hardly remember anything. But I imagine that that stupid computer is in every episode. Iraq, that light bright they have. Yeah, <laughs> that light bright that enjoys watching Kojak. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, watching Kojak, that's okay then. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, Mr. Roberts, he confesses to Harold that the, all the statues are actually human beings in suspended animation, and they are placing them in art galleries, and then after hours, they reanimate them so they can steal the art. A truly devious plot. Diana goes to the studio as Wonder Woman, and she is set upon by the army of statues, and right when she's about to escape, she comes face to face with Zombie Bagley and Henry Roberts. <laughs> he tells Wonder Woman that unless she lets him make a statue of her, that he will kill Harold. So Wonder Woman agrees to become a statue. This part, he gives her like a handcuff that's exactly like her wrist cuffs. Yes. And she's like, okay, I'll put it on, but I need to turn my back to you for just a second. Yeah. Right. Joke's on you, Henry Roberts. Just because you're a villain doesn't mean you're not a gentleman. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a minute of privacy to put on your wrist cuffs. If you noticed his little freezing machine, like he needed at least a minute to get to his label maker. So you could, like block the names and then glue it on his machine. <laughs> okay, well, and anyway, the point is, right, is that she switcherooed it and she foils their plot, right? So I have a question, though. There's like riddles in this episode? And do they have anything to do with the episode? Like, is anything solved because of the riddles? They're fun. Uh, I don't think so. Also, Warner Brothers totally owns 
DC Comics at this time because I swear they kept using like Roadrunner sound effects throughout this episode. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a major difference between Gal Gadot and Linda Carter in the lassoing department. There really is. <laughs> like Linda Carter demands that her, you know, her prey stand still. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when she lassoed that car, I think that means that the car then has to tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love how she just lassoed Henry Roberts to death. At the, well, he didn't die, but she lassoed him to death. And, you know, we, we omitted the best part of this, this whole episode. And it was the appearance of Captain Steubing. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was awesome. Right. Art connoisseur, Mr. Ellsworth. <laughs> Do you know who played his wife? Um, his wife. Really? His wife? his wife. His wife played his wife. That was Mrs. McLeod. Really? Yeah, his real his real life wife. Wow. And uh, what she doesn't know is she's going to have to watch him film an entire episode where he is getting snugly with the ship's masseuse. So, but anyway... <laughs> Well, I can't wait to get there, but bef- before that, we need to hear about Columbo, Jr. But can we just say, like, during Wonder Woman, like, I was hoping there'd be a Wonder Woman Eagleman match <laughs> up there. <laughs> Columbo, you guys ready? Oh, so yeah. ready. Okay, well, there's two men that murder each other, and Columbo's <laughs> called to the scene, and one of them <laughs> has a puzzle piece. Josh, it's a photo that's been... Cut into a puzzle piece. I love puzzles. Yeah. And so Columbo takes it back to the police station. And I guess they know who the other, you know, the other person who was in on the murder. They went to his apartment. And guess what they found? Another puzzle piece. Hmm. Can we just go back, though, and just realize that the guy with the gun somehow still lost to a guy with just a knife? Yeah. <laughs> what can <laughs> you do? with that one. He's like, well. <laughs> hey, but this story was written by McBain. Was it? I'm to throw that out there too. Ooh. Okay. So uh, enter Irving Crutch, who says he's an insurance investigator and his insurance company got totally hosed when $40 million went missing from this bank. There was a bank robbery, $40 million was stolen. And I, I, I don't have that quote, but it's so great. It was like, two years intensive search, nothing, got goons. We finally settled the claim in full, $4 million. Hello, that was bad. <laughs> Bingo, right? So he's so great in this episode. But so he's he says, I really need to find the forty million to, you know, salvage my career because right now they just have me doing really stupid jobs. So I can't remember if he has a piece of the puzzle or not. But he oh, what he does have is he has a, a half of the list of yeah. people yeah. who have the puzzle pieces. There's seven, I think. And so this robbery went down and the money was hidden and the location of the money was on a photo, an aerial photo. Like, I guess they rented a helicopter so they could take this picture. And then uh, seven people have have pieces of the puzzle. Oh, Irving Crutch got his piece of the puzzle and the list from an old Italian lady. I guess she was married to some mafia guy who died or whatever. Yep, that he never paid. That he. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, that's it's a it's a source of contention. But. Uh, the good news is Irving Crutch don't welch, so he'll probably pay her at some point. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the the next step that Columbo was taken on using this list where you can kind of see some of the names is he goes to visit a man named Weisberg, who is Polly. Oh, wasn't that the greatest surprise? That was a treat. 
It was so nice. And then later on, there's okay. So after he deals with Polly, and Polly's like, okay, we'll work together to get these puzzle pieces. He then goes to an art gallery where Polly's been stocking the art gallery. And the lady who lives there, her name's Jerry. She doesn't live there. She runs the art gallery. Jerry, she says, who's the guy that looks like the guy from Rocky who's been all over the place? So, <laughs> Who's the guy who has more hair coming out of his shirt than you have on your head? Yeah. <laughs> so she's there, and her companion is this really weird-looking blonde guy, and they own yeah, this. Yeah, right? Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. Like, something's wrong with his face. I don't know if it's his. I don't know. There's something wrong. Yeah. So No, like, not even joking. It looks like he had a stroke at some point. Yeah. <laughs> So he says, no, there's no puzzle piece here. And she immediately says, yes, there is. But we're not giving it to you. Also, uh, Columbo is undercover, which, which is the title of this episode. And she says, you're a cop. And he's like, uh, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're a cop. And she just like, <laughs> no, I'm not. You are. Yeah, you're a cop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they keep up with the uh, investigation. They find some more puzzle pieces. I don't remember where. Polly gets killed someone does Polly in and also someone attacks Columbo and he's sent to the hospital and they know that he doesn't want to hang out in the hospital to recover so the only way they can convince him to stay in the hospital is the nurse steals his pants you can't <laughs> without pants that's one of the under themes of this whole episode is Columbo's pantless yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but his legs are like baby smooth. There is no <laughs> hair on them. So one of the humorous elements of this episode is he asks for a pair of pants from his detective partner, uh, Detective Brown. And Detective Brown, it's important to note here that Detective Brown is black because he gives Columbo a pair of pants, and they are the most ethnic pants you've ever seen. <laughs> Straight and, out of Sin Sinbad's wardrobe, right I there. Know. <laughs> so. We must assume that Detective Brown has two pairs of pants, the slacks that he wears to work and this pair of pants <laughs> that, that Sinbad. That he relaxes in. Yeah, I guess. And so Columbo's wearing these crazy black people pants all episode long. <laughs> they start to, I, I think it, it's, it kind of revolves around figuring out who was there when Polly was murdered, right? Because there is a coin parking meter in front of Polly's apartment and Columbo has his friend, the parking meter expert, pull it out. And we don't know what he's doing, but he's up to something. And so they finally get to the point where, like, everyone is dying except for Crutch. Mm. And so Crutch maybe has to be involved. And uh, I should mention that the weird blonde guy and Jerry both die. But they get the piece of puzzle from the weird blonde guy first. He had hit it in, like, a painting, which is so unimaginative. Everyone hides stuff in the back of paintings, but whatever. Okay, like everybody else went to like crazy lengths to hide it. Yeah. And he found the most convenient place in his office. Let me, yeah, let's talk about Crutch's alibi. Crutch never stops making love. No. <laughs> Susan Endicott. And when they ask her, she's always like, do you want to know what we were doing? We were making love. And like... I don't know. Like she talks so weird, and it's it, it's. Jared, yeah, they were making the love. Yeah, I guess like for for several days at a time, they just never left his apartment, and so she's his alibi, right? But here's what happens: they pull all the coins out of that meter from that day, and one of them has a fingerprint that belongs to Mister Crutch. And when Susan is confronted with this piece of evidence, does she turn? Does she want to be charged for accessory to murder? Nope. She sings like a canary. <laughs> yeah. 
And then Crutch also sings like a canary. No attorneys involved. He just admits everything. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's like kind of circumstantial. <laughs> Crutch at that point is dressed exactly like the killer from Cobra. <laughs> like dirty t-shirt and overcoat. Yeah, he admits everything. He gives them the final piece of the puzzle. They're able to find the money. Columbo doesn't really care. But, but wait, know, where does he get the final piece of the puzzle from? Uh, I don't know, Crutch's boxer shirt? I don't know. No, yeah, he literally pulls yeah. it out of the front of his pants. Yeah, he had it. <laughs> it was resting between skin and brief. <laughs> he was keeping it. They have to dust that off a little bit. <laughs> Just like uh, the dollar bills from Masterminds that <laughs> Jack Galifianakis pulls out. Um, so, yeah, anyway, yeah, he says, I almost I almost did it. And then Columbo says, and we haven't seen it the entire episode. Columbo says, close, but no cigar. And he whips out the the signature cigar. Now, there is that old Italian lady. I, we forgot to mention that Columbo's undercover persona is he's like a mafia don. <laughs> who cannot maintain an Italian accent for the life of him. Which is weird <laughs> since he's Italian. And, like, no one thinks he's not a cop. <laughs> he's, it's the worst undercover job ever. <laughs> well, GR, you see, he put on the suit. Yeah, it's true. He did put on the suit. The, the suit where you don't put your arms through the sleeves, that's how you know he's in the mafia. <laughs> Well, you left out one important detail, and that is that Columbo makes out with a prostitute oh, yeah. daily. That's where he gets <laughs> he gets two pieces of the puzzle from the prostitute. I can't, what's her name? Um, it's Tiny Dorothy. Daly. It's Dorothea or something like that. Oh, yeah, Dorothea. Yeah. What'd you say? She? Who is she? Josh? Well, it's Tyne Daly. Who's Tyne Daly? Oh, you don't know her. You look at her picture. You recognize her. She's in like tons of '80s TV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She looked familiar. So yeah, he ended up kissing her. What would Mrs. Colombo think? Jar, when you're yeah. undercover, you sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. She's the prostitute with a heart of gold. She is, and so, hey, that was the Colombo episode, and uh, I was a, I was a little worried going into it because, like you said, it's old. It's it's like Colombo's really old, and it's like 1990s Colombo. Like it would not have been out of place if Shaquille O'Neal had had a cameo or something. <laughs> but like one thing we noticed that older Columbo, he actually cares about hygiene. Yeah. Like he's not half as filthy looking. That's, yeah, true. that's true. Now, but he, we do notice that that guy, he can like sleep anywhere. Uh, like th there were a couple of places where he just took a nap. There's a lot of napping by Columbo. In this episode. But, um, well, how do you think it compares like to old Columbo? Like so, the pattern is different, right? Because this is not yep. a classic Columbo pattern where we see the murder, we know yeah. who did it, and he figures it out. This is a mystery till the very end. Right. So well, and he's got a partner, which is kind of weird. Yeah. I like the original Columbo. Yeah, I like the old show. I mean, More this was I fun. Like I, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I think the original show is probably probably better. Yeah, he did get a look at Polly and say, you have an accident as a kid, or were you just born retarded? <laughs> so... We did get that. Yeah. <laughs> now, Polly has a wonderful line. Polly and Columbo are going to go try and find another piece of the puzzle, and Polly has a gun, right? And Columbo says, ah, I don't I do not do that. By the way, Columbo mentions Alta Ski Resort. I guess someone, they had a, dis yeah. a discussion about yeah, yeah. being in Salt Lake City. Lots but, of snow there. Yeah, and but Polly says, I don't like negotiating with no fuzz. And that's Polly's big line, so... <laughs> By the way, Polly Burt Young, who only passed away like a month ago, and uh, if you want to hear us discuss Rocky Balboa, you know, head on over to the In Memoriam movie podcast. Yes. I will say this: Polly is menacing. Yeah, he's a he's got creepy bad guy, and and 
he looks the part, right? He's kind of a bad guy in the Rocky movies too, but in most <laughs> films, not a lot good about Paulie. <laughs> yeah, he usually plays the tough in in his films. So um, anyway, uh, well, I, love the tough. See, I, I would love this. Now's not the time, but it'd be a great debate about Rocky. Is was Paulie really a friend, or did he just know he had nowhere else to go? Oh, Paulie's so complicated because he's the worst friend you could have in so many ways. <laughs> he's loyal. He's fiercely loyal. Yeah. <laughs> He's a fiercely loyal man that will squander your hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> Anytime a man loves you more than his own sister, that's special. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. All right. The love Very boat, good. right? Yes. I, I've been looking forward to this. Let's uh, talk about the love boat, Spencer. Hey, did you did you recognize who Glynis Johns is? The old grandma? No. She's from Mary Poppins. She's Mrs. Banks from Mary Poppins. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I could. I just, I didn't notice it at the time. That's her. This episode ends so weird. Her story. Her story can ends. I, can I so tell weird. you this? Like, I feel like Destiny knew that we were gonna miss out on Fantasy Island, so they <laughs> kind of made a crossover for the <laughs> Love Boat. Okay, <laughs> um, well, those Love Boat season seven, episode twenty three, as we mentioned. Side by side, fish out of water and rub me tender. Rub me tender <laughs> may have worked for more than one of these stories, but this is, I can't even, let's just, let's dive in. Okay, it starts off, imagine if you will, a, a mysterious plywood box Ooh. stamped with live marine specimens. Could it be tuna? <laughs> Could it I think everybody thought it was just tuna. Lots of tuna and mackerel. <laughs> but everybody's saying like don't don't get in there we've got to take that it's got to be real careful it's going to be go studied in cabo and so here we go ed bagley also known as alan bundy which let's tell you is that's no coincidence that <laughs> it is so close to al bundy yes i think it's al bundy senior anyway he gets there and the first thing he does is find isaac who by the way isaac is the coolest guy of any of these shows Oh, man. everybody's Isaac friend. Cool. Oh, Isaac is awesome. So when Isaac double points at you, it's genuine, right? Oh, yeah. He's the only person where I would accept that. Yeah. He wants you to get married so bad on the love. <laughs> <laughs> he wants you to experience what he's yearning for himself, you know? <laughs> so Mr. Bundy gets there and he goes straight to Isaac. And they're like, hey, how are you? And he's like, I'm the strikeout king. I never get there with girls. No, no, his whole point is he got there really early, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because he just assumed, if I get here before anyone else, that'll give me greater odds with women. Which, like, that logic alone tells you he's probably not going to be great with women, because it makes no <laughs> sense. He's just waiting for them. Hey. Hey. <laughs> they come on board. I'm Al. Here. I'm Al. But Isaac assures him that this ship is full of, you know, women who would want him. And he's like, that, that's great. Thank you. And so he kind of coaches him a little bit, and he's like, oh, there's a beautiful woman over there. Go talk to her. And he goes over there, and he does suck with women. Yeah. You know, and he strikes out pretty quick. He's got no game. And then he goes for round two, because Isaac's like, there's another woman. Go talk to her. Can we, I, I, I didn't plan this, but can we, let me play his conversation. Yeah, here we go. Hi, my name is Alan. Hi, I'm Karen. What's your name? Karen. <laughs> So, uh, do you live around here? <laughs> what? I mean, do you, uh, you come here often? 
Enjoy your cruise. <laughs> loser. Later, loser. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's not great. And then he goes after another woman. And before he even gets there, he runs into a pole. And then he wakes up. Wakes up to Doc's soothing tones. And Doc's like, you'll be okay. And so they fear he's had a concussion. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to go in. Doc's like, no, no, no. You need to stay here for a little bit so we can monitor you. And then fast forward. Alan it wakes up from his concussion. And what does he do? He immediately joins a tour that is showing the very inquisitive passengers the cargo hold area <laughs> of the cruise ship. Because I'm sure everybody's like, where's it bilgy? Cargo hold, let's go down there. They want to see where the urchins are shoveling coal into the motor down there. <laughs> and so he goes down there and... Of course, the tour guide's like, we can go everywhere, but this room, this is off limits to everybody. There's very special cargo there. And Alan, <laughs> for as bad as he is with women, he's just as curious. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes into the cargo hold area, and there's that massive box that says, Marine specimens do not touch. And he does. And lo and behold, what is in there? A mermaid! <laughs> Just looking for tuna, and he found a mermaid. <laughs> a beautiful mermaid named Coral. A beautiful <laughs> Coral. She tells him that she is a prisoner, and she just wants to be free. And she wants to eat. And yeah. her and Alan are in love. Yep. <laughs> it it happened. And so he he's like, okay, I'll go get you food. And then he comes back in a tux. <laughs> it's... Date night with the merman. <laughs> so he brings her above deck and just puts like a, I don't know how he's carrying this woman everywhere or this mermaid, but he is. And like, it's daytime. So I don't know how he's hiding it. He's like sneaking through the cargo hold with her. But it turns out like he doesn't suck with women, just human women. Yeah. And then there's some amazing quotes here. One, he looks her deeply in the eyes and says, Coral, you're different than any other girl I've ever met. Yeah, that's 100% <laughs> true. 100% true. And then he also tells her that they have so much in common, yeah. which is awesome. And then they make out. <laughs> and then there's a mermaid make out. His daughter of the sea. <laughs> his beloved daughter of the sea. <laughs> But Isaac is super happy for him. But now he's got a tough decision to make, guys. Does he have it in himself to white fang her? <laughs> Does he love her enough to send her back to her own kind? Can't I don't know. We're gonna find out. Can he join her colony? <laughs> he tries. Guys, yes. <laughs> I'll join you. I'll just wear a scuba suit. Yeah, that's his plan. He's going to wear a scuba suit for the rest of his life. Oh, he is so sad. <laughs> so they're on deck, and he's holding her. No, we haven't gotten there yet, actually. Sorry. Skipping ahead. But he does vow to wear a scuba suit if that means they can be together. And then he somehow got her in the pool. And yeah. so she's just lounging in the, the deck pool, and he's muttering, I can't believe how beautiful she is, including tail. 
Oh, which is a real a weird a thing to say, Alan. Yeah, sweet tale. Okay. <laughs> when, when he mentions that he's willing to wear the scuba suit for the rest of his life, I think she says, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> Alan, you're an idiot. I don't know if I yeah, love you. <laughs> like, you can't help but believe. Maybe he was being played a little bit. Yeah. But no, we find out it was real. She loved him. He looked her deeply into her fish eyes and said, Coral, you're not the only one who's been captured. <laughs> Josh, I know you're laughing. <laughs> Josh, if you're, I'm assuming you're only laughing now because of how much you cried when he said it. That's true. You okay. either laugh or cry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like the way she looked back at him, I think that's when they both knew it was real. And then he threw her in the ocean. And then, yes. And then Alan breaking all international maritime laws and interspecies treaties. I was hoping he would javelin her into the ocean, but instead he just kind of hefted her out. But here's where it gets rough, guys. After he throws her into the ocean and she becomes the ocean. She becomes the ocean. (laughs) It starts muttering, Alan. Alan! <laughs> I can't even with the storyline. <laughs> was absorbed in like five minutes. <laughs> he said he'd be a scuba boy for the rest of his life. <laughs> but okay, oh like, make matters worse. So all of a sudden, like he wakes up and he's back in the bed with Doc's office. It was, was it all a dream? <laughs> it was a dream. So now he wakes up knowing that he still doesn't have a girl any game, and he's got some weird psychological issues he needs to work through. And he missed the entire cruise. Like, he slept through the whole cruise. Yeah. And he still sucks. So. Yeah, I'm still concerned that he's been unconscious for, like, a week. <laughs> no one has been attending him, because he wakes up and he's all alone. He's just, he's just been there. But then, like, so he's up on deck again. He, they finally let him breathe the free air. <laughs> He sees a woman, and it's the upper half of Coral. Quinn's over there, he's like, it wasn't a dream. And he's like, Coral. And she's like, no, my name's Cora. He's like, ah, oh, suck. Stupid human Cora. Do you think he's turned off by her legs? He's like, legs, yeah, huh? He is. He's like, meh. Real lack of scales on this one. But he consents to, you know, he lowers himself to following in love with a human. And I assume they got married later. They got married. Actually, this was the first Love Boat episode where no one got married. No, well, they they didn't get married on the boat, but 100% they're getting married. So anyway, that is the first and only tale of interspecies romance that I've seen on the Love Boat. (laughs) Note that I said that I've seen because I guarantee there's more. This episode was far more funny and romantic than The Shape of Water. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And before you think that's the weirdest story in this episode, let me dive into Edna and Toby. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the other couple that maybe got married on the love boat. I know. Toby and Mrs. Banks. <laughs> Had a real will they won't they vibe to a grandmother and grandson story. <laughs> 
So think about it. Imagine you're Toby's real life parents and you're watching the story unfold. Oh, oh this podcast is going to be incoherent. It's just us laughing. Toby's fight for the affections of his parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, let me pull it together. Oh, my God. It starts out with them flirting, and then Isaac or Doc's there, and Toby mutters, wait till you see her in a bathing suit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I got sorry. I'm going to get through this. Oh, man. Little fourteen-year-old Toby <laughs> keeps telling everybody they need to make this cruise really special for Grandpa because <laughs> he's gonna make it special for Grandpa. <laughs> okay. All right, <laughs> hold on. What am I, I gotta breathe? What am I gonna do with this audio? It, it's just... <laughs> It's just us laughing hysterically for like 15 solid minutes. Oh, and of course, his name is Toby. <laughs> Toby and Edna. They even have like an old couple's name, you know? It's like Harold and Maude, except also it's his grandma, right? Like, seriously, like, yeah. if I just read this to you, you would think it was a romance. Yeah. You know, it's only when you realize that he's just started the pubening that maybe it's not. <laughs> I have a couple notes. I have grandma and grandson on a romantic cruise, and then I have Toby is definitely going to propose to Edna. (laughs) (laughs) Dancing with grandma leads to romancing with grandma, right? And (laughs) apparently at one point, grandma needs a few minutes to slip into something more comfortable. (laughs) That happened. That happened. Anyway, yeah, so... Toby putting on his evening robes. (laughs) (laughs) They're just... They're super playful throughout. Um, (laughs) There's dancing and throwing quips and they play shuffleboard for kisses. (laughs) We know who's been stooping, okay? (laughs) So Doc gets involved because Toby keeps telling her, you know, grandma's not well. And she keeps like the whole tone of this story like makes it awesome and hilarious and gross. Because, you know, they do, they they romantically banter with each other. But also kind of plays in that she might be sick and dying. Yeah. Like, well, she's just tiring out so fast. And she's like, well, give me 15 minutes to get into something more comfortable. And so Toby's like, she's going to die. So he overheard his parents talking. And that's why yes, he, thinks he overheard his parents talking and crying that someone was dying. Yeah. And he thinks it's Grammy. So he thinks he's on a cruise with Grammy. Oh, but we're in for a twist. We are. <laughs> and then, no, that was the best part. Toby, like, sharing a breakfast with Doc. You know, Grammy's not there. And he's like, Doc, wait, one night I was going down to get some milk and cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have some notes here where I put, because this is what we're about to find out. It's not Edna who is dying. It's much, much worse. And then my next (laughs) note is, so when is the most fun time to tell Toby at the Captain's Gala Ball? (laughs) That's the twist. Toby's dying. Toby's dying. They're at the gala ball and they won best couple for the cruise. (laughs) (laughs) 
the staff voted them the cutest couple. <laughs> and so, like, and this next song is dedicated to Toby, who is dying. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is that like, Doc's like talking to the Edna there, and he's like, "We'll do whatever we can for you." She's like, "No, no, no! He's the one that's dying." Hand to Toby, who just kind of staring at Edna with a slight <laughs> smile. So my impression is by the end of this episode, no one has told Toby. No, I don't think they do. They just keep lying to him. It ends with Edna saying, we're going to do this every year. And everybody's like, no, you're not. And she gives the weirdest look to Doc, right? Like, we're going to come back next year. And Doc's like, are you? <laughs> you guys, Doc's heart was rent in two right there. Oh, it, was. it was the two most wolves. bizarre ending. It, it And so, like, usually people leave the love boat and you're like, they're going to be happy for the rest of their lives. And this one, it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, they're just going home to watch Toby die. I know. <laughs> Oh, good. But part. honestly, the projection his life was taking him, it may not have been the worst thing that happened. <laughs> For the best. Yeah. It really it really is. Oh my god. And like the truth is, like, I should have told Stubing's story first because nothing compares to those last two. I know, like telling the Stubing story now, it's like, oh, and then that happened, right? Then... But it's I mean, it's a really good story, but this episode was home runs. And yeah, then like a triple, right? <laughs> well, but it, the triple did have the single best moment, though, I think. <laughs> okay, I'll go through this pretty quickly. This story starts off with Gopher getting into it with their massage therapist and manicurist. She's really angry. She's not treating clients well. And so finally, it's like, you're fired. And she's like, fine, I'm fired. And he's like, wait, you have to give three weeks. And she's like, I'm out. And then he runs into this wonderful woman from England named Dory, who just happens to be a massage therapist. How do Dory Butterworth! Out? It's Dory Butterworth! <laughs> it is Dory Butterworth. <laughs> but they find out because she just starts massaging Gopher. And she's like, yeah. oh, I was a masseuse in England. <laughs> and they're like, hot dang, you're hired. And then they throw some trash into the ocean. Well, yeah. So she has a teacup that she throws into the ocean because she's startled. Oh, that's a thing. She's constantly startled, right? Yep. But also, like, I guess when she brought the brochures on board, she also brought a full wardrobe with formal wear. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was. She, she's a little bit sneakier than we think she is. But anyway, so the whole storyline is that Gopher hires her to be the new masseuse. And for whatever reason, he's afraid to tell Stubing that they hired a new masseuse, one who's kind, thoughtful, younger and better looking than the one they fired. Do you understand you that? I think that would be like a home run to tell your boss, but... Yeah. Why won't they? Why is it so hard to tell him? Hey, we had to make a change at the masseuse. I don't understand. You know that other masseuse we had that was a nightmare. Yeah, I fired her and I hired this awesome one. Everyone lives in a state of fear around Stubing because <laughs> they know they're one misstep away from indentured servitude. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so they go around and Stubing kind of has a thing for her, and they get more and more worried about telling him. Yeah, she's very jumpy. Everything scares her. But they have this beautiful moment where she starts massaging Stubing's neck and then his back and then his buttock on the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) Just six inches above the end of his tube socks. (laughs) So he keeps inviting her to do things and her response every time is, you're the captain. And he's like, well, that's kind of a weird but cute thing to say. But basically, she's saying, you're my boss, and I have to do what you tell me to do. You know, like, honestly, you know what she reminds me of? And this is another Ed Bagley Jr. reference. 
She reminds me of Charlize Theron's character in Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, a little bit off. Something's That's, wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. That's exactly what she reminded me of. But her and Steubing go to Cabo. They have lots of fun. And much to everybody's happiness, they finally figure out what's going on. And Steubing isn't mad at all because, once again, why would he be mad? Well, here's the weird part, right? Because he's kind of fallen in love with her. And so you would think, the okay, the rule is, as the captain, you can't date the employees, right? But am I mistaken? It seems like moving forward, she's now a full-time employee. And there is no way this relationship has ended. Like, they're moving forward. And he's just dating the masseuse, officially. You've got to just remember, though, in the end, Steubing said it himself more than once. He's married to the sea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you for I that hope, reminder. I hope that she's going to be comfortable taking a back seat to Lady Ocean. Lady <laughs> <laughs> Lady Ocean. That is the love bow. That might be my favorite episode that we've ever done. It might it's be the at least the most astounding. <laughs> that yeah, and Mancor are my two favorite. <laughs> wow. Oh okay. man, yes, that was something else. Well, okay. Well, that's a good wrap up of these episodes. They were beauties. Take some time to watch them, especially the the love boat. But let's have we got some awards here. So let's talk about Jr. Who was your favorite guest character? Well, I appreciate someone who don't welch. So I'm going to go with Irving Crutch. Mm. Mm. Fair, Spencer. I'm going with Alan because no one's ever delighted me more than his misadventure there. Yeah, I got to go with Alan Bundy as well. <laughs> that, that was incredible. All right. So, Spencer, best guest quote. Best guest quote comes from our man, Alan, who's like, Coral, you're <laughs> not the only one who's been captured. Spencer, does it sound a little something like this? You know, I'm glad I was captured. I'd never met you otherwise. Coral, you're not the only one who's been captured. <sighs> oh, you can hear it in his voice. Yeah, his, his that's forever. That's real. That was real. That's my favorite quote as well. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So mine comes from uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, Harold, you jump. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an honorable mention, and then this will help us cover all three shows as well. Why would a nice old Italian lady... Who incidentally is waiting for you to fork over a thousand bucks? I'll pay her, don't worry. Crutch doesn't welch. Yeah. <laughs> he does that... keep puzzle pieces down the front of his pants. <laughs> Just pulling dollar bills out of his briefs. Okay. All right. So let me ask you guys Ken Esmas Macho. Well, it's Polly. Yeah, it's Polly. There's no doubt. It's Polly. Polly. I went with Toby. <laughs> so sly and sexy no one's more dairy <laughs> all right so you've been stooping wait wait can we just go back and like ponder how sad it is that toby's only time he kisses a woman will be his grandma <laughs> oh there's man. lots of sad unanswered questions <laughs> in that episode all right so you've been stooping. There's a couple of good options here. JR? I'm going with Mermaid Makeout. Mm. Yeah, that was sweet. That was a good one. Spence? Toby and Edna. Mm. Toby and Edna. Because I looked when they were in there, like that episode, got, that part got so weird that when they were in their cabin together, I actually paused it to make sure there was two queen beds and not a king. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so mine was Captain Steubing getting his Captain Buttocks cupped. <laughs> <laughs> Steubing got Steubinged. He did. Steubing got Steubing, finally. Spencer, let's talk about what is your episode that was your fantasy, the one that you want to murder, and the one that you love. Well, there's some great options there. So my fantasy was Wonder Woman. The episode I want to murder was Columbo. But only because it just, like, I'm used to the older, or which would be the younger Columbo, you know? So it kind of threw me off this new, clean Columbo. Mm. And the episode I love was The Love Boat. That is the same, exact same order for me. What about you, JR? Yeah, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. So uh, the episode that was my fantasy was Columbo. The episode I wanted to murder was Wonder Woman. Uh, so I, I, it's not that it was a bad episode. It was a it was a good episode. I don't know. I just, I think that we found the three greatest shows of the 70s. And every time we got a sub one in, I'm always a little disappointed. Yeah. And then, of course, the episode that I love is The Love Boat, which might be the greatest love boat episode of all time that we've done so far, which is something to discuss because our next episode, we are doing a Christmas episode, but I'm also going to make it our yearly wrap up. So I want you guys to think of what your favorite episode from each show is your favorite guest star. Your and Kianis Mas Macho through for the whole year. King Macho. And then the show that was your fantasy, the show you wanted to murder, and the show that you loved. And if you want to, we can expand it a little bit. And for each show, we can also do the episode that was your fantasy that you want to murder and that you love, if you want to go that big. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. You're going to have to email me these instructions again. but Sure. <laughs> now, let me share with you our Christmas special. I want one of you. Who wants to, who wants to read the description of this? I can. Okay, Josh. So, Spencer, you just stay put. Josh, I'm in the chat here, I'm sending you a link. Now, you go and you just read this episode description. Christmas Eve is anything but peaceful for Kojak and his men. <laughs> Started out really good. A woman is convinced her boyfriend is going to commit some kind of crime, but she doesn't know what. And a jealous husband is looking to kill his cheating wife. Wow. What's the name Whoa. of this episode, Josh? How Cruel the Frost, How Bright the Stars. <laughs> who's the lucky one of us that gets that also this is the only, this is the only episode we're doing for christmas i'm just making it real easy on us we're just watching one episode it's just kojak the christmas episode <laughs> oh, sweet. so this is rated eight out of ten on imdb which is a really high rating i haven't seen this episode but you can watch it on amazon so i, I think you can watch it for free if you have amazon prime but if not it's like a cheap rent but yeah. anyway, this should be a really fun episode, and then we can uh, focus our season wrap-up without having to kind of worry about folding yeah. this into our wrap-up, right? I really can't wait. I've been dying to watch a Kojak episode, and I guarantee you at some point in this episode, uh, Kojak refuses to believe some pimp's stupid alibi. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, uh, no, this is going to be awesome. All right. Hey, I know Josh has got to go. So catch that Kojak episode and really quickly. Email us at fantasymurderlovetriangle@gmail.com. We have a Facebook page where, I don't know, we tell you what's coming up. Go on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. and rate us five stars. Does Stitcher exist anymore? I think it doesn't. Yeah, come check out the Immemorium podcast. We talked about Polly. Uh, we're about to talk about the lethal weapon bad guy. <laughs> Joss Auckland is his name. Anyway, wow. uh, brothers, it's been a pleasure. I can't yes. believe we put this off. Love you guys. Right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Don't worry. Once you're back in the ocean, you'll be fine. Not fine, Alan. I'll miss you. 
I'll miss you too, but I don't know any other way to save you. Wait a minute. I can go with you. Oh, Alan. It's impossible. It would be the shortest romance in history. But I can wear a scuba outfit all the time. 